Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We exist to be a community that seeks God and serves people. We're so glad that you've joined us today. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Amen. Well, like David said, we are starting a series on Advent starting this week. And if you know anything about Advent, it's typically a four-week season in most churches. And if you, it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas and starting on November 22nd means this became a five week season for us. I really wanted to actually spend this week kind of preparing us for the season of Advent, which is a season of preparation. So it's a little bit ironic that we're doing it that way, but I I thought it'd be really good just to set the stage. What is Advent about? What's it like? And how do we participate in that? And today's message is called Waiting in Solidarity. And we read from Daniel chapter 2 this morning, and it's this really bizarre passage where earlier in the chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, but he decides not to tell anybody. He's the king of Babylon, and he asks all of the wise men in his country, all the astrologers, anybody who can possibly interpret a dream. And he says to them, I will know you have the right interpretation if you can tell me what my dream was. And then all the wise men are like, okay, um, there's no way we could possibly know what your dream was. So why don't you just tell us and then we'll interpret it for you. But King Nebuchadnezzar is actually a really suave guy. He knows how to like play his cards right. So what he does is he says, no, In fact, if you don't tell me what the dream is, you wise men, then I'm going to make sure that all of you are wiped out from this land of Babylon. So uh, they are scrambling to figure out what this king's dream was. They can't do it. They're scared for their lives. And they basically come to him and say, look, it's impossible. You're going to have to tell us what the dream was. Otherwise, we can't interpret the dream for you. And he says, fine. You know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to make sure not only you group of wise men are eliminated, but I'm going to say every wise man and astrologer and dream interpreter in the land is killed. So the announcement goes out. And at this time in Babylon, we have some Jewish exiles. And one of those exiles is Daniel, the namesake of this book. Him and his three friends who are renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they're starting to think, oh, I think we're included in that group that's about to be wiped out. So we need to do something. So they pray to God for mercy. They ask that he would somehow, some way, be able to show them what the dream was. And then at night, Daniel falls asleep, and then he has this night vision of what King Nebuchadnezzar's dream is. In our passage, what Abigail just read, is this very idea that what just happened in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he's going to interpret. So if you go back to Daniel chapter two, if you have your Bible with you, great. I can actually share my screen. I got permission this morning. Um, I'm going to share this with you as well. And we'll kind of follow along. Not going to be super easy to read, but if you're following me here. So what's going on in this passage in Daniel chapter two is you have this idea that really after 
Nebuchadnezzar's dream is revealed. He has this dream of a statue. And the statue is made up of different metals, different durable materials. And Daniel interprets this dream as these are these kingdoms in order that will follow your reign, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has a lot of power in the world at this time. The people of God have been uprooted from the land of Israel and they've been taken away uh, to the Mesopotamian area, in particularly into Babylon. And what's going on is all of a sudden Daniel interprets this dream. He says, look, whenever human beings and wild animals are there, you reign. And what's What's more is that you are the head of gold. Now, after you, another kingdom will arise, one inferior to yours. Then a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule in all the earth. And then a fourth kingdom, one strong like iron. But what's going on here? All of a sudden, you will see that this iron mixed with clay, so people will be mixed with one another, this idea that Sometime in the future, kingdoms are going to kind of intermingle, and it's not just going to be one kingdom versus another. Somehow, some way, they're going to be joined together. But then here's the thing. In those days, when that happens, God will raise up an everlasting kingdom that will not be destroyed and a kingdom that will not be left to another people. In other words, this is the last kingdom, the everlasting reign of these people. It will break in pieces and bring about the demise of all of these kingdoms. But this one is different. It's not going anywhere. It will stand forever. So that's the interpretation of the dream. And in this dream, you, you know, we can kind of look at it like this is some wild dream. And what, why in the, what does this have to do with us today? What does this have to do with Advent? And Advent is all about waiting. So in Daniel's day, the people of Israel were uprooted from their land. In fact, God had promised that if they violated the commandments, if they did not follow the contract they made with God, aka the covenant, then they would be taken from their land and put somewhere else. In other words, they would be in exile. They'd be exiled from their very own home. So when they go and they're taken captive and dragged to Babylon, they are in this intense period of waiting because they're not where they're supposed to be. God had promised land to his people. That was one of the major promises that they had received in the Old Testament. And now it was gone. The land was extremely significant to the people of God. In fact, it was the, besides the temple, it was the number one symbol that God was faithful to his promises. And now that was gone. So what do you do with that? And Daniel has this wild dream, this dream that there's going to be a kingdom that all these other kingdoms are going to bow down to, and they're going to be under the authority of. All these other kingdoms are going to fade away. For example, the, the reign of Greece, gone not there anymore. The reign of Rome is no longer an empire anymore. It's just a city in Italy. And one day, even the United States will no longer be a thing because there's only one kingdom that lasts. 
It is the kingdom of our God. And this is the vision that Daniel has in this chapter, is that there is only one kingdom that will last. It is the kingdom of God. So here's what I really want to ask this morning. Not a terribly complex message. Just this. What does it mean to wait on Jesus? And how do we wait like the people of Israel waited? That's the real question we want to ask this morning. How do we wait like them? And to wait like them means this. It means that we don't just wait and then when things aren't going our way, we just throw a fit and we just ask for things to go our way. But we actually say that in waiting, God meets us where we are. And I want to bring a story from my own life right now into this. So right now, uh, Kayla and I are in this weird quarantine. Neither of us have COVID. Uh, neither of us are even being exposed to it. We're not really seeing people. We are not quarantined because of COVID. We are quarantined for a very different reason. So recently, I, uh, I got out of the car because we, we'd heard something in our basement. And we're like, what is that? Sounds like there's something in the water heater. Well, there's nothing in the water here that we know of. But when I go outside one evening, I look up on the roof after we'd gotten back from the grocery store. And underneath the chimney guard, there's a creature staring at me. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, what is that? And uh, wouldn't you know it, it's a raccoon. There's a raccoon underneath the chimney guard that's supposed to keep raccoons out. And I'm like, how did you get up there? And wouldn't you know it, I look at this thing and I'm like, what am I supposed to do about this? <sighs> There's nothing that I can do except my brilliant idea. I find a pebble nearby. I'm like, I'm going to scare it out of there. And I throw it. I, I get nice and close to it. Definitely don't hit it because, you know, it's one of God's creatures. And I'm like, okay, this will do the trick. And it bounces really close to the raccoon. You know what it does? All it does is hiss at me. And it stays. It doesn't go anywhere. It's stuck there. And now we have a new neighbor in our very own house. We have a pet raccoon. So not only do we have a raccoon, but Kayla and I start noticing, like, get a little bit itchy these days. Uh, I wonder what's going on. Kayla loves me telling this story right now, by the way. Um, but I'm getting a little bit itchy. I'm like, what is going on here? And yesterday morning, I find a flea. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So now we are in this awesome period of figuring out, wow, not only is there a pandemic going on, but we're like double quarantined because I found a flea in our house. And I don't know how many there are. So my temptation, and honestly, I did not handle this like the most awesome way ever. But my temptation was just to like complain about it and say like, woe is me. Why do we have all these terrible things happening to us? We're like, it's not like we're just quarantined once or quarantined twice. And in the midst of that, all I can ask is God, why in the world? is this happening to us right now? Like we didn't really want to be double quarantined, but we are. 
And the temptation is just to like throw your hands up in the air and say like, well, this is not fair at all. On the other hand, uh, there was something else we could do. We could choose to say, you know what? At least we are together as a family, even in this strange season, even with other creatures in our house, we are together and we still get to do this life together. And somehow, some way, God is going to meet us in this waiting. So it becomes this matter of how do we wait faithfully? How do we wait faithfully? We can choose to just give in and choose to despair. Or we can also have this opportunity to be the faithful people we are called to be and say, you know what, God, somehow, some way you're meeting us in this. I don't think God caused us to have a raccoon in our chimney or that he said a plague upon your house. Here are some fleas. But I do think that there's an invitation in this moment for God to really speak into us. And just as Daniel in this crazy apocalyptic book was able to come to King Nebuchadnezzar and interpret his dream in the same way you and I have an opportunity to speak while waiting. So Daniel is not like excited to go and like serve the king and basically be his handyman. Daniel and his people, they belong in Israel, but they're in a foreign land with foreign gods and all sorts of worship practices that they thought was not the way God had called them to worship. But Daniel still interprets his dream because he has a vision that there's a kingdom coming beyond this one. And there's something worth living for beyond even just the present. So what I want to call us to today is this. We're all waiting. We are all absolutely waiting on something. And we just step back into virtual worship. And it's so hard to do this. It felt like we were doing such a great job with our masks and our distancing and our cleanliness that like, why, why would we stop when we had so much momentum? And then our healthcare workers and even David reminded us this morning that this pandemic is bigger than us. And it's hard to confess that. It's so hard to admit that this thing is bigger than any of our solutions that we can bring. And just like I was tempted to just throw my hands up in the air and despair over the fleas, I think there's a wider temptation as a community, and maybe not our church community, but even as a wider Cincinnati or United States of America community to say, well, we've got to live our life normally somehow. So let me see if I can get special permission to keep doing the things I normally do, even though there's a pandemic going on. And I just want to suggest to you and maybe we don't do that. Maybe we don't need to seek special permission because God has given us this platform to still gather. God has given us the ability to still be together. And just like Daniel spoke to Nebuchadnezzar, even though Nebuchadnezzar was working for the enemy, so to speak, maybe in this season, we don't need to specially plead in order to do something faithful. Maybe we need to wait in solidarity with those who are also waiting. 
Because here's the thing, Christian witness, our witness to the gospel, our ability to share the truth about what's going on in the world is not just a matter of words. It is a posture of what we do, what we think, and what we act like. The people of God, they had to wait. Many of those people who were taken captive in the Babylon did not get to go back and see the temple again in Israel. Many of those people lived their last days in a foreign land, not a place they wanted to be. But the promise remains that there's a, an everlasting kingdom that's coming. There's something that's going to happen. And that's the promise of Advent too. It's not just that Jesus will come, but it's that Jesus will come and he will make all things new. And I can't wait to talk more about that because the truth about Advent is this season is actually a reflection of our whole lives. And I know somebody who's wrote a book about this and I highly recommend you check it out. Her name's Mary Geisen. She just wrote a book called The Advent Narrative. It's excellent. And it talks all about this. Uh, and you might hear me quote some things from there every once in a while because there's just good material for us to reflect on. But I really want to just offer this morning for you to walk together, for us to walk together and wait in solidarity. Because our witness to the world is not like, well, we're a church, we do important stuff, so we still need to be able to gather in person. What if instead by doing this and saying, you know what, we're going to be safe and we're going to protect our community by doing something that is inconvenient. What if by doing that, instead, we show the world that we are with them? What if that's so much more compelling than just walking away and trying to specially plead that, well, we're a religious organization. We're so important. We have to be meeting in person. What if this is our chance to show the world that we are not, <laughs> that we actually are approachable, that we are people that can be trusted, that we are people that are willing to walk together with those who are hurting. And by doing that, we will be a faithful representation of Jesus. So I want to close us out in prayer this morning. I know this is kind of a message where we just really get into some details about what's going on in the Old Testament. But I just want to call you into a deeper, deeper patience. I know it's so hard right now. It, it was really bothering me this week, like, oh, man, we have to meet virtually again. But the beauty of this is we are showing the world that we are with them. And that somehow, some way, we understand the pain that they're going through. Because we are also choosing to restrain ourselves and be healthy and be safe. So let me say a prayer over all of us, and then I want to send us out with a benediction, and let's go love some people in the name of Jesus today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the message that Daniel gave to Nebuchadnezzar, that, yeah, while there are kingdoms in place right now that don't feel like the kingdom of God, we know that your coming reign will come in its fullness that Jesus will be united with the Father, that God will be all in all, and that this world 
will know that there is a Lord on the throne. His name is Jesus. Not Nebuchadnezzar, not Caesar, nobody else, just Jesus. I just pray by our patience and by our willingness to meet this way that we can show the world that we understand the pain, that we're not cheating the system, so to speak, or still doing things that other people aren't allowed to do. God, by making this choice, let us be a faithful image, a representation of who Jesus is, how he stands in solidarity with the pain of those who are suffering. And that somehow, some way that we can bring glory to your name, even in a virtual setting. Thank you so much for Central Church of Christ. Thank you for our willingness to make wise decisions, even painful ones. And I pray that we would go out today and love others by sharing meals, by giving people just that, just that reassuring sense of hope just by being present. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.